This program is sponsored by Dave Stahl. It's time to get educated on your Second Amendment rights. Welcome to two full hours of Gun Owners Radio. Your hosts, Dave Stahl, Joe Germisi, and Michael Schwartz, will teach you about firearms, self-defense, and the laws that affect your rights to keep and bear arms. Visit GunOwnersRadio.com with questions to learn how to become a sponsor of Gun Owners Radio and get involved. Together, we will win. Now here's your hosts, Dave Stahl, Joe Dramisi, and Michael Schwartz on The Answer San Diego. All right, folks, welcome to Gun Owners Radio, FM 96.1, AM 1170, The Answer. Well, hey, folks, guess what? We got a new show sponsor, Scott Vision. From that's Col- Vincent. Vincent. Scott Vincent. He's Vincent, the best. Vincent. Man, that's Founding great. board member of San Diego County Gun Owners. Founding guy. board member. From Caldwell Banking Royalty Realty. We're so excited to have Scott join as a show sponsor. Scott is a San Diego County gun owner board member, as you just heard. Yeah. He has supported our efforts to defend and restore the Second Amendment rights from the start. So if you're thinking about selling your home, let a fellow Second Amendment supporter and broker scott uh vinson senior vinson vinson why do i keep saying vinson i don't know v-i-n like like vin now it's in like vin diesel but scott vinson senior help you sell your home and find you a new home anywhere in the united states give him a call at 619-948-2459 tell him you heard it right here on gun owners radio that's scott 619-948-2459 Five, nine. You're the you're the car guy. You got to get Vin right. I know, but you know it's so funny. It seems like after f- four hours, yeah, you know, all the all the letters I'm, just start. Yeah, all the letters looking start the same. Bl- yeah, I'm plugging in another headphone. I don't even need it. Well, we're continuing on with uh, medical and first aid training month, and uh, we have some really cool guests coming up. I think we're gonna enjoy it very much. But first, uh, uh, why do ants never get sick? That's a good question. Why? Because they have little antibodies. Yeah. All right. How about that? The show is off to a screaming start. Yes, it is. Brittany was just complimenting us on our. Yeah, uh, yeah so <laughs> that much just, for that compliment. That, that, yeah, just we're not getting another compliment. I will get a text. I have a sneaky feeling. That's, that's another. Story. Well, welcome to the show, Scott Vincent. Thank you so much for uh, for sponsoring. Uh, Scott really is a great guy. Give him a call. Definitely, definitely uh, support him for supporting us. So also, Law Enforcement Training Scholarship, go to the website. Uh, basically, we're going to have some opportunities coming up for uh, uh, training, firearms training, and we want to help uh, law enforcement officers get get the training they need. I think that's one thing we all agree is that uh, cops uh, definitely benefit from more training. If you want to help sponsor, go to the website and uh, help uh, give us a little donation to help sponsor a, a cop to get some training. And, and, and we need to kind of explain something right here because everybody's right. going, what are you talking about? If I work at my work and we get a Xerox machine, they teach me how to work my Xerox machine. Well, police right. officers, if they want any additional training, it's on their nickel. Well, yeah. I mean, it's a government budget, and we all know government is generally incompetent. And, uh, you know, they can't do much right, especially balance a budget. So when they're trying to, when they're deciding, hey, especially in this environment, when you have the, you know, you have a lot of pressure from from small groups to defund the police. Well, where do you think you're going to take the 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 funding? Well, they're going to take it from training. 
So police officers have an extremely difficult job, um, and the more training we can get them, the better. Right. So we're not weighing in on you know defunding or not defunding the police. We're we're rolling up our sleeves and saying, look, let's get these guys more training. So if if you're of like mind and you think that that's a good idea and you want to see law enforcement officers get better and more training, uh, without it having to come out of their pocket. Uh, go to gunownersradio.com and sponsor a cop, sponsor a Leo to uh, get more firearms training. And you can sponsor it individually. You can sponsor it out of your business. You can sponsor it any way you want. Exactly. No, no. no okay, that's actually No, so yeah, right? I know. That's I awesome. Think, I think I did one. I think I already sponsored one. <laughs> you sponsored a cop? Yeah, I think I sponsored a cop. We Am should I- get like a... We should get we should get Brittany back in here and do a commercial like a Sally Struthers style commercial, you know, for three dollars a day you could. Can she cry? Yeah. Can she cry? Cry like on that? demand. Oh, yeah. oh, she can cry. She's so just good. just the money in your pocket. You could help a hey, a cop shoot better. She's got a race car in her garage. I mean, how many women you know could talk people into getting letting her have a race car in her garage? Well, there you go. There you go. Vote yes on the recall. Listen, I got to tell you guys. How about a little bit of tough love? Um. If the governor, Newsom, who's horrible at everything, does not get recalled, okay, if he, if he survives this and wins, it is going to be the fault of the people who are arguing over which of the 42 candidates is better. Mm-hmm. I'm seeing this all over the place. Two people, three people, four people who are all going to go and vote yes on the recall are spending time arguing with each other over you know who which one of the 42 is better rather than finding more people to go vote yes on the recall if if the vote happened today and the polls are anywhere near accurate uh the governor's staying in office let that sink in i know let that sink in for a second you could sit there and, and do your hand wringing and say the polls are not accurate and the darn liberal media but the reality is this we, there is no assurance we are not positive that the governor is going to be recalled and every second you spend arguing over, well, I want this, I want ABC rather than XYZ, well, is a waste of everyone's time. You have to go get more people to vote yes on recall. Okay, well, I need you to help me because I heard something on radio. You too, Joe. You might have heard it on radio. But if you've lost or haven't gotten your ballot, you can go down to the post office and they'll give you one. I think that's probably true. I don't, I don't know that. It's California. Way. You could probably print your I own out. Hey, it doesn't matter. Well, I heard just, that, too. Well, you know what? You could go find a drunk felon in his car and just With borrow one of his ballots. Well, see, and that's the thing, too. And, you know, and, and Is that true? You some, can go to the post office and get one? That I haven't heard, but I heard I, that just I mean, the other day. it's not surprising to me. Uh, what I would do is is contact. If you don't have your ballot, I would go to the registrar of voters. Absolutely. Registrar well, of voters. But I like the point. The point you made last week, though, I liked a lot. Is people need to find 10 friends, 10 family, 10 buddies, and get them to vote on this recall. Yes. Because, again, the first question, do you want him recalled? Yes or no? If that doesn't win, the other forty-seven people don't really matter. They yeah. don't matter, and I got to tell you, you argue all that you know. Vote your conscience. Vote whoever, whatever. But the winner of that forty-two or whatever, forty-seven, however many people, they're not even going to get thirty percent of the vote. No. They might get twenty-five. They might get twenty. And what you don't want to do is alienate the other 80% or alienate people that haven't decided whether or not they're going to win. If you like ABC guy and and you say, hey, this is the guy, he's going to win, he's ahead, and someone goes, no, I don't really like that guy, therefore I'm not going to participate, you've just cost us the election. Yeah, I, know. So, I had somebody call me up the other day and says, hey, what could you tell me about uh, Larry Elder? Because I'm a radio guy. Yeah. I said, Google him. There you go. Do your homework. Do whatever, but the important thing is get 10 people who weren't going to vote 
to, to come vote. in and vote right. yes on the recall. Um, a couple weeks ago, I did a, a mic drop on uh, the uh, Marietta police chief, uh, Tony Conrad, and uh, we did a press release that went out on Thursday that already has uh, – it's already got a national uh, – uh, what's it called? Bear Arms, Right to Bear Arms is – or oh, shit, I can't remember. Anyway, they already did an article on it. already did a national article on our press release talking about the psych evaluation that Marietta is requiring before you get a CCW. Mm-hmm. So that's getting traction. Um, we basically said, hey, look, this psych evaluation is not a psych evaluation. It's a personality test. Mm-hmm. It's all it is. It's It's got it right in the title. Um, so we're calling them out on that. We're going to try to get that $150 fee lifted for you fine people in Marietta. Um, but we need we need your help. We need people to be aware of what's going on in Marietta. And Tell 10 to- friends. Yep, and contact uh, the uh, police chief and say, hey, I disagree. But we're going to start meeting with the city council members. They've already reached out to me. And uh, we're going to talk about why charging someone $150 for a CCW in order to test their personality and then not even use that test to factor in whether or not they get a CCW might be a bad idea. That might not be the best of ideas. Exactly. So... So that's what's going on, man. We got, we got all a kinds couple of cool- great. We got a couple great guests. We do. We got Wyatt and Lindell from Strategic Operations. They're going to talk about hyper realistic training when it comes to uh, uh, medical emergencies, uh, people bleeding out, that sort of thing, car accidents, uh, bullet wounds, all kinds of fun stuff. But you uh, never know what you may roll up on. That's right. But they have some really cool stuff. So hang out with us. All right. This is Gun Owners Radio FM ninety six one. AM 1170. The answer. All right, folks, welcome back. The answer. So find out what stress inoculation means with local training company Strategic Operations. Stress inoculation. Hmm. Hey, self-defense and emergencies can happen to anyone, and there's no guarantee that the justice system will be on your side. Gun owners should have coverage for the legal battle after your self-defense battle. While you protect your family and property, U.S. Law Shield is here to defend you 24-7, 365 days a year with comprehensive self-defense coverage at an affordable price. Bad guys don't take days off, and neither does our coverage. And guess what? Gun owners, radio listeners, you can get a free T-shirt when you join. You just use promo code GUNOWNERSRADIO at uslawshield.com. Stress inoculation sounds like it was like a David Bowie album, I think. It it does. (laughs) Pretty sure that was a David Bowie. I'm not positive. I'm not a music guy. I don't know. Yeah, right. In the studio, we have Wyatt. How you doing? I'm doing well. Thank you. Awesome. And Lindell? Doing great. Found out that they are both uh, former Navy corpsmen and uh, currently work for Strategic Operations. So tell us about uh, Strategic Operations. Well, it's a um, tactical and medical uh, training company here local in San Diego. They uh, originally started with Stu Siegel Productions. Uh, and they were doing oh uh, yeah the, the okay. studio over Open there the restaurant yeah, the, yeah yes we're all waiting for the diner to reopen <laughs> with, the, the, with the remember the fried fish it was like a it was like the size of a whale it was awesome there that's one of the best restaurants and is Stu seriously thinking about 
Oh, we're reopening very soon. Otherwise, you could leave now because that was all <laughs> I cared about. We just want to know Stu about Z- the diner. I want to know if Stu Ziegel's going to. They're uh, all right. They've been renovating news. it, updating yeah. it, so it's just going to be good to go. Already good news. Okay, yeah. keep okay. going. Back to work. So, uh, so you're the one making all the noise next door. Oh, yes, okay, I got it. The explosions and whatnot. Well, I'm at KUSI. Oh yes. And sometimes when you start firing weapons, you do make some of my guests hit the dirt. But that is <laughs> that is what we do. Yes, you do. Um, so after the events of 9/11, the TV movie industry kind of changed paths because of violence. Right. So um, the owner said, "Hey, we're going to go into uh, tactical and medical training." Right. And he had we had all these different sets and props and the Perfect. ability and the weapons and cash and he had the ability to create these uh, real realistic villages and realistic yeah. um, shoot houses and hotels or whatnot. So the original. Uh, SWAT teams and SDPD and DEA were the first ones that were uh, contacting Stu for this type of training. And this was after 2001, 2002. Because Stu was a producer, but if you don't know, B-movies. Yeah. Uh, And they were good. I'm not saying they weren't good. Yep. But And he built that diner, if I'm not mistaken, because he made his people work like kind of late at night. Mm -hmm. And he just built them. And I think he used it as a set and, and probably in a couple of movies. He is yeah. such a patriot. That guy is such a patriot. He, he's a great, great boss. Yeah, he really is. So you guys Very are both. Supportive. You guys are both corpsmen, or as President Obama would say, corpsemen. Right? Corpsemen. Yes. Isn't that the, I remember that. You remember that? Yeah. How how warm and and, fuzzy. and fuzzy and corpsemen wanted and valued did that? I make had you not feel? heard that. Yeah, he yeah. was on a in a in a in a press conference and he uh, referred to I forget who it was, but he referred to them as corpsemen. Mm. Corpsemen. So, Commander in Chief. Now, what do you do at this side of that? So I'm the medical training program manager at Strategic Operations. Okay. I've been there for five years. Oh, wow. So I help assist, coordinate, plan uh, all the different medical training for all the different customers and training audience. It could be the local fire EMS agencies and law enforcement, and then to our federal tactical teams. And then we also have numerous contracts and clients with the, the, the federal government, the, with the Navy and the Army and right. Air Force and whatnot. Does this all without advertising? Yeah, I know it's amazing. <laughs> but tell everybody what exactly is a corpsman. So corpsman is a a Navy medic. Let's say the Air Force and Army, they have that term medic, but in the Navy, it's a corpsman. So it's a specialized medical provider, and we go. You join the Navy, and then you go to school. And depending on what type of uh, track or specialty you want to become and then you get assigned to either a ship or a submarine or with special forces right. or with the marines is this kind of and, and don't take any offense because i don't know for sure but would this be the level of a of a of a, of a nurse or higher no it'd be it'd be a little bit lower than oh, a nurse oh, until, okay. depending on how much training or how gotcha. what type of training because okay. a corpsman become can become a surgical tech a dental tech uh, a uh, advanced like IDC provider, gotcha. you could be uh, working in an OR as a surge tech or uh-huh. uh, even cleaning teeth. So there's numerous types of It just depends on what MOS you decide exactly. to travel there. There's a couple yes. different levels. I mean, there are submarines out there where the only medical guy on yep. the submarine well, is a corpsman. Yeah, that's, and that's yes, what I was going to say. Our corpsman did quite a bit because yeah. that was the only guy we had. So that's, <laughs> called a, that's called an IDC, independent duty corpsman. Ah. So they go to a specialized school where they can go onto submarines or ships or with special operations. And they get a specific type of training. Yes. Oh, okay. And there's no, there's no, the, the reason that there are no medics in the Marine Corps 
is the Marine Corps. Correct me if I'm right. If I'm wrong. Correct me if I'm wrong. Don't correct me if I'm right. The Marine Corps is a core of the Navy, just like the Medical Corps yeah. is a core of the Navy. Yeah. So they take the Navy takes their corpsmen, their yes. medics, and assigns them to Marines. Yes. And that's that when when Marines, uh, you know, uh, need to get uh, patched up. It's it's someone in the Navy you that's doing it. Right. Save this for for. Uh Sam the gunman. So oh, he, well, he's. How do you think I know this? He's the one oh. that taught me. <laughs> so let's talk to Lindell for a second. So you've been with uh, the program for how long? Four years now. Oh, you're yeah. just actually long. September will be my fourth year. Yeah, no yeah. kidding. And uh, uh, so you're. What is your position at the facility? I am the subject matter expert at cut suit. So whenever they sell a cut suit. Um, it comes with a three-day course, eight hours a day, and I'm the main guy that they send. And what is it? A, a, a cut suit? Cut suit subject matter expert course. Cut Smee. suit. Smee. Oh. Smee. So each each cut suit sale includes this three-day training course. So we send Lindell. Right. We'll fly anywhere international or domestic and go teach for three days how to use the cut suit. To, so they become a SME on the cut suit. What is a cut suit? It's like a bullet. It's, it's, it's like an Asian dish. It comes in a bowl. Oh. Get a nice bowl of katsu. It's really, really good. I, you know, I, I had a little a sauce. I, well, I see they drug in this this corpse. Well, I, I think what we're going to do, we're going to look at the cut suit at, in the next segment. We're going yeah, to talk about demo? it. Can we use you as a demo? I don't know. Oh. If I can. So the, <laughs> I just uh, have to just cut me. I don't know if I'm going to fit in the suit. So the cut suit is a human-worn surgical simulator. That oh. a role player will wear, gotcha. and then the medical providers, the corpsmen, the medics, they can do these interventions and uh, procedures on the cut suit. Gotcha. So what 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 niche do you guys fill in the industry? Like, what do you guys do better than anybody? What you know? What problems are you guys solving in the industry? Our training is very realistic. the The, the trademark is hyper realistic. So we add this level of stress and level of training so that our customers are really immersed into the training and we try to take the notional out of medical training. Mm. The we want everyone to do the correct procedures and not just talk about it. Do you want to start an IV? Do you want to drop a needle in their chest? Do you want to do a chest tube? So all these uh, interventions can be done on the cut suit. And we make all the medical training products we actually create here local in San Diego. We have a, a medical fabrication team that creates all these different, they're handmade molds and uh, sewn. So these, all of our products are made and we use them for the training to keep the training real, to keep it very realistic yeah. so that. Uh, kind of put a little bit of fear in there. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And having right. a, what, a studio, like Stu Siegel, the facility. Yeah. I mean, all you can see in the outside is the diner and like the front gate and the flags, but. Yeah, yeah. There's a lot know, going on back There's there. a lot so going we, in the back. So What makes us truly special is how many different teams we have mm. to help conduct the training. So we have a role-playing uh, department where we bring in our role players, our amp ampu uh, amputees and our cutsuit actors and our shooters. Uh, then we have a professional Hollywood makeup uh, artist that can do the moulage and make everything look very real. And then we have our uh, armory team that has all the weapons. We have a pyrotechnics team where we can do the IEDs and RPGs and all the simulated explosions, and I then can, we I have. I can vouch for those. Yeah, and then we have, and then we have the actual village, and we have a simulated uh, helicopter crashes and ER yeah. ships, and we so we put all of this together, and we make a you ever pretty take, good train. Do you ever take people on tours? Absolutely, because you really need it. 
Yeah, I want to tour. You're all that. welcome. You're all welcome. Oh, Please yeah. Welcome. You're all welcome. Well, yeah. I want to go down to these two. Right, the only time I got a chance to go in the back lot, look at this, this pickup truck that he had in 1932. I don't know if he still has it. He's trying to talk about he's got selling. A, it. He's got a bunch of stuff. <laughs> he's, got, he's got lots of cars. Lots of cars. So who are your customers? Who, who, who comes to you guys? So we, we support the law enforcement all, for all, all in California, mm-hmm. uh, all the different fire agencies and fire departments, uh, different EMS, uh, medical schools. We support many different types of units from all the branches of service, uh, FBI, DEA. Um, so they, you're busy. We're very, our training calendar is very, very busy. Yes. Very busy. We have students from overseas as well. Um, the paramedics from Australia come every summer. Wow. We have had students from. Well, is it their summer or our summer? Because they're in Australia. It was our, our summer. Our summer, our their summer. winter. Right. That's yeah. important. Yeah, the flip flop. That's, yeah. right. yeah, yeah, <laughs> That's yeah. why they come. <laughs> they're no dummies. So, do you guys, then you, I noticed there's an emphasis on stopping bleeding, stopping hemorrhaging. Yes. Um, it, but if you're working with firefighters and that sort of thing, I mean, is there, you know, burns and, and uh, that sort of thing as well? Yeah, and, yeah. Absolutely. There's many different types of trauma, but depending on who the customer is and what their like training objectives are, training objectives, then you would create the scenarios and the patients on what they're trying to learn. Right. So let's say we're training lifeguards. Mm-hmm. We're definitely teaching them about bleeding control uh, from like a shark attack. Yeah, I was going to say if shark attack. Yeah. If it's uh, uh, firefighters, we're teaching them about motor vehicle accidents, about mm-hmm. trauma, about mm-hmm. burns. If we have our law enforcement, we're teaching them about penetrating trauma to the chest and gunshots right. and taking care of their partners and calling for help. Okay. It's only because I'm a car guy and he knew I was going to do this. Yeah. Did you do any special training when Tesla came out as far as the fires that go within that, that lithium ba- or that whatever battery he we, uses? We did not work with Tesla, no. Okay. Because you know it takes like, yeah. what, 3,000 gallons of water to put a fire out of a Tesla? Wow. Yes, yeah, three thousand. I mean, the the batteries just. There's actually a, a website or a tracker about yeah. the Tesla cars catching on fire and autopilot crashes. Oh, it's pretty. Well, it's really getting bad. It's, it's getting pretty crazy. <laughs> now, so, do you, I, go oh, ahead. I was going to say, so the, the, a lot of great, uh, you know, law enforcement, firefighters. Do civilians get a chance to? Absolutely. Uh, well, tell, tell us how, like, what? Wait uh, till we come back from break. Since it's sure. four twenty nine. Yes. All right. But what, what we want to hear is if you're a civilian. What should a civilian be? Absolutely. Uh, what should they concentrate? What should they be most concerned right. with? And then, what kind of classes do you offer? And how would a civilian get involved? Yeah, That's what we're going to talk about. And then we're going to have a bowl of katsu. Already <laughs> ate. Right here. I like Lindell. He laughs at my stuff. I know. <laughs> Lindell's going to be here for the rest of the year. <laughs> hey, folks, Gun Owners Radio, FM 961 AM 1170. The answer. Welcome back. You're listening to Gun Owners Radio, FM 96.1, AM 1170. <laughs> the answer just got creepy in here. Look at that. Oh, you love it. Hey, did you know John Dillon is the attorney on the Miller versus Bonta case and the Jones versus Bonta case as well? In other words, he's working to remove the assault weapons ban <laughs> and working to restore the Second Amendment rights for 18 and 21-year-olds. If you have uh, legal matters that involve firearms, then you need to call our attorney, John Dillon. If you have questions about red flag laws, gun registration, gun transportation, or maybe you need to know that your guns are California compliant, well, call our trusted firearms attorney, John Dillon, at John Dillon Specializes 
in California gun laws. Call 760-642-7150. Or you can visit his website at DylanLawGP.com. This should have been like our Halloween show, I think. Do we have a camera on this? Look at that thing. It makes me cry and cry and cry. (laughs) It reminds me of of, uh, Silence of the Lambs. Okay. It was a she a great big old fat girl. Yes, uh, sir. She was. Oh my gosh! Look at all this stuff. All right. So creepy. So let's talk about what we got here. Oh, okay. All, all right. right. All right. So as you can see, we have our cut suit vest. Uh, this is the human worn vest that the role player will wear. So then the on top of that would be the skin behind uh, behind Lindell. So the role player would wear the vest, and then the skin goes on top of it. And with the skin, you can do different types of injuries, penetrating trauma, burns, uh, bruising, gunshot wounds, depending on what scenario you're building for the customer. And then the, the way the vest is created, we can actually, you can do IVs on the, uh, on the skin. You can suture, uh, uh, perform the chest tubes. You can do the emergency crike where you cut into their trachea mm-hmm. to put a tube in their throat. Jeez. You can drop needle, needle decompression for mm-hmm. uh, collapsed lungs. So all these different procedures uh, you can do with the cut suit. Uh, what Lindell is holding now is called the blast trousers. So these are, uh, so these trousers uh, the role player will wear, and this tube connects to the blood pumping system. Ugh. And this injury pattern is from a blast from underneath the vehicle, oh, and geez. the wound, the bleeding, is too high for a tourniquet. So they have to pack the wound. So that's what the blast trousers is trying to. Um, replicator wow. train oh so the gosh. wound so that wound right there has oh. the blood vessel inside and you can pack it you can drop your knee on it you can right. pack it you can yeah. clamp it direct pressure but where the location of the wound is we cannot use a tourniquet we have to pack, right. the, pack yeah. a wound or use pack, a junctional yeah. tourniquet or whatnot uh and then right here this is another pair of shorts and this is a femoral bleed which is the artery uh in your leg and obviously we have our femur bone sticking out here so this is another type of uh, moulage, and there's your wound where we can pack it, clamp it, uh, or whatnot. So, so you made, and you made all of these. Props. Yeah, these are made here local at Stu at Stu Siegel. Yeah, these are made. So they're all the wounds and the bones. They're molded. They're dried. They're hand painted. And then we have a sewing shop with multiple uh, people sewing these. Uh, Under Armour type uh, clothing and wounds. So this is all handmade. I would have loved to have been in that meeting when you guys discussed what we're going to (laughs) do. Oh, look at that. Is Is that someone's hand? This is called a de-gloved hand. That's a real nice one. De-gloved? De-gloved hand. They basically Uh, lost their skin? It's well, and fingers and fingers oh. and get just just get peeled right off. So yeah. why you said there, there's actually um, you've got arteries in there that you can go in and clamp on yes. these things. So on inside the wounds on the arm, leg, and the blast trouser, there's actually you can uh, if you zoom in there, you can see the vessel in there. The, okay, that's replicating the blood vessel. Right, right. So right. they can actually uh, clamp. It's but, amazingly accurate. And then so uh, you know where you're going to get your costume for this year, don't you? I I I want to serve this with a Chianta and some. <laughs> Fava beans. <laughs> this is uh, oh, and he's got that's like a head. All right, here we are. You have an actual here head. We have a lacerated scalp. Oh. So the role player would definitely wear this hood. And you know that's real hair. I'm going to just tell you right now, <laughs> Stu Siegel doesn't do nothing cheap. That's real hair. Holy so cow! That's another uh, injury pattern. So this, this kit, he doesn't want to touch it. <laughs> so this kit on the floor. This is our new kit that the navy asked us to create for training on submarines and in ships the box? wow so this box? box here 
This is called the TAMK, the TCCC Advanced Moulage Kit or a Float Moulage Kit. So the Navy contacted us and said, we'd like to get these certain injury patterns and wounds to train on our ships and submarines. Can you create this kit? So this kit is the final outcome of that project. So, and it, it so actually, you have designers working on premises. Absolutely. We have uh, an R&D team, and, they are, and we have uh, uh, doctors and surgeons that work for strategic ops, yeah. and they give us their input. And then we get input from outside, um, like training yeah. uh, proctors and instructors yeah. from different uh, agencies in the Navy, and they say, hey, we want to make these types of wounds. This is what we're seeing. Can you do it? And then we say, yeah, of course. So yeah. what wounds do we have in that kit then? I saw some, I saw arm injuries. What else do so, we have? So we have uh, this, we have burns, blisters, uh, broken bones, open fractures, uh, gunshot wounds. Here's a closed fracture. That's a pretty awesome one. Okay. So that's, you, we can put this. And you've got this. an open fracture in here somewhere too? Yes. So yeah, that's a closed. The bones sticking out. That's a closed fracture there. You see the bruising and you can actually touch those okay. bones. Um, here's an open fracture. And you can put these sleeves on their lower leg or their lower arm, depending on hey, what. Mike. I don't know. If, what am I feeling? This is this a what? A internal that's a, fracture. That's a closed fracture. Oh, uh, yeah. That is pretty fractured. <laughs> broken. If I were to broken, describe this, broken. I'd say Lindell, fractured. Yeah. quit laughing at his jokes. Well, you, you just quit laughing at his jokes. <laughs> yeah, just won't, won't I just stop. Wanna, just and also, wear this around uh, the house. This is grab the, uh, super comfortable. The neck bleeder. Grab that neck bleeder as well. And also, in the kit, we'll have these cards so that you can give the role players a card and say, hey, this is the injury, this is where it goes, this is how you'll act. These are the signs and symptoms as well. Right. So this device here, we call this the multi-junctional bleed trainer, the MJBT. So this one, we can put it on their, uh, their neck, we could put it in their armpit, or put it on their belt line. Somewhere that can't be tourniqueted. Very right? Very there good. Go. Wow. So this, yeah. very good. He's good to go. I like this guy. Look at that. Let me see. This Look is at that a one. Big old hole. Mike, what? I just threw that one right there for you. Don't don't throw like these bloody wounds so, at so me across. That, this. So with that multi-junctional, uh, it's in our junctional areas of the body where a tourniquet will not work. Right. So we have to pack right. it uh, with a, speci a specific uh, hemostatic agent called so, combat gauze. And, and that connects up to your backpack with the pump. Exactly. And so they, they pack and, and treat that until you stop pumping, until exactly. it stops bleeding. Right? So the, the blood oh, yeah, pumping system. I bet it even pulsates. We do have one in development. But this backpack one, you Just can has a, like it has a key enough. fob, so you can press it on and off. Uh, so you could pulsate it in a sense. but yeah. So... When you have the key fob, uh, the role player can hold it, or the proctor or the instructor would hold it. Gotcha. So if they effectively pack the wound, they can turn right. off the blood. And so, so everybody needs to understand, you don't sell kits to the general public. You sell training. No, we sell kits as well. Oh, you have kits too, like oh, a home kit? Or? We, yeah, we sell. I mean, you, are you talking about medical supplies? Well, you know, like say for the off-road uh, industry. I do an off-road show the very first hour. And when they're holding a big event for where a yeah. lot of people are going off-roading, mm -hmm. Would you have a kit that would maybe fit that scenario? No, we, so we have medical products for training, yes, and medical training courses. I, I thought you were speaking oh, okay, about so, uh, But you don't sell supplies. like a, I, I could have it and throw it in the back of my Jeep in case I have an accident. No, we, we go through the other training. distributors. Yeah, yeah, we do the yeah. training, yes. And I think that's even more important than buying the kit because once the training's over, then you can say, and if you're interested in getting a kit, we recommend going exactly. here there. Okay. Exactly. I think the training is the most important. How often do you normally train, uh, let's say, any any major group? I mean, do, do you weekly. do it more than weekly? Weekly. We have customers weekly. 
Wow. So, so do you, have you, what kind of feel, by the way, every injury that you handed me, I immediately put my fingers in it. Did you get Yeah, I know. You just like get this uncontrollable urge to put your fingers you in whatever terrible. injury. I know, it's gross. Um, what uh, what kind of feedback? I mean, this stuff is amazingly realistic. When you when 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 experienced people come in, maybe they've been in combat or maybe they've been you know firefighters for a while. When they come in and see this, what kind of reactions are you guys getting? A lot of positive reactions. Yeah. When we have the the older or uh, seasoned, the, the seasoned or salty or sandy uh, people come through training. Yeah. The, the comment is. Uh, I wish this existed when I was going through training. And let's go back one inch farther because you're showing us injuries right now, right? And he's sticking his finger in it and he won't touch it. Mm -hmm. But when you're showing it to the student, you got a whole lot more going on around you besides, oh, look, here's a little wound. You got the mute, the noise, you got the smoke, you got the players. I mean, if if you're replicating a car accident, they're going to think it's a car accident. Yes. Yeah, with a body laying there, you got actor. See, so that's that's the way to – isn't that interesting that the movie industry would fall into this industry that's, and enhance it? That's what makes it special. Don't you think yeah. it enhance? I mean, no matter what other kind of training you get, when you have the facilities that you have at Stu Siegel's, there's not anybody out there I know of that's your competition. We, um, we have the ability to make – Great training. Magic. Ma- magic happen with Linda, our what's this what's this rib cage you got here? This looks like a Well that's yeah, baby, you, no, back that's, baby, back baby, back baby. No, you put that on first and then you put the shirt over the top of it. Yes. That's oh, a, look at that. That's awesome. So right here. I want to sauce that you can up. Actually and, drop the needles uh, yeah. for the needle decompression here. Right. And then on the side here, we have these bleeder packs where you can cut into your sure. chest tube. And then it even shows ribs where you could actually show broken ribs. Which yeah, the, the broken ribs we would show on the skin. Yeah, yes. yeah, yeah. So you only do these trainings in places with really good air conditioning, I would think. Huh? Or, I mean, we're outside, definitely. <laughs> That's mostly pretty outside hot in San Diego. Lately. Most, most, <laughs> mostly outside for the training. So if a person was to buy this kit for training, what's the life expectancy? I mean, how many well, times it, can you poke it? Oh, numerous, numerous times. Yeah. So the what's special about that three-day training, we teach how to repair the suit, how to uh, do the maintenance on it. And how to clean you, it. How to clean it, exactly. So if you uh, <laughs> take your time and you have a good attention to detail and you repair it correctly, it's going to last a long time. Yeah. Yeah. So are those cuts then where the cut suit has been cut? Yes. Is that what that is? So those are those were cuts from chest tubes. And then once you wash it and it dries, then you use silicone and alcohol to uh, clean it. it, seal it. Yeah. And you do the silico- silicone and yeah. let it's it dry. Like, you know how it's like you, Joe. You've been using that same target for the last, what, 22 years? Yeah, there you go. Just a little silicone, some tape, and you're good. You're good. You don't need that. That one comes from their Ed Gein package. <laughs> you just can't leave it alone. <laughs> no, I'm not going to leave it alone. I know. As soon as I seen all this stuff, I thought, oh, my gosh, this is going to be good. This is awesome. You guys are phenomenal, man. I'm telling you. So if somebody wanted to. Civilians. Sp- yeah, they wanted to, what, how would they get a hold of you? So our, if you Google strategic operations, we have uh, a contact us as well. Okay. We have all the social medias. Right. Um, and you can see online everything exactly. you do, too. You can see the, uh, yeah, all the different socials. Yeah. And then with our different EMS and LE uh, different websites, they can actually find the different yeah. trainings that are available that we, we conduct as and well. And we just scratched the surface. We just scratched but you have a Band-Aid for that. Oh, yeah, we, <laughs> you scratched the surprise. I get it. That, that was nice. for you. Yeah, that right. was for you. All right, guys. Hey, it was awesome having you in. Uh, Lindell, you'll need to talk a little more next time. But that's okay. 
We know how why it is. You're all listening to Gun Owners Radio, FM 96.1 AM 1170. The answer. Radio, FM 961, AM 1170. The answer. Okie dokie, So, Cajon Valley Union School District board member Jim Miller joins us to talk about the El Cajon kids uh, stuck in Afghanistan. Did you know law-abiding gun shops? I know. Did you know law-abiding gun shops and manufacturers had their accounts shut down because of virtual signaling companies that guns are inappropriate? Well, shutting down lawful businesses is wrong, which is why we are so excited to have 365 Glacier Payments as a 10-ring partner. 365 Glacier Payment specializes in serving companies in the firearms industry. And if you have a business that accepts credit cards, give them a call today so you can enjoy the peace of mind that your accounts won't be shut down and also enjoy the best rates. Visit their website at 365glacierpayments.com. Okay, before we bring Jim on the line, who is awesome, I'm so glad we're going to have him on this week. Uh, Wyatt, uh, tell us about, you, you were just about to tell us about, we were talking uh, last couple segments to uh, Wyatt and Lindell from Strategic Operations and some of the really cool, uh, very, very realistic medical training that you can get from them. Talk, talk about the class that you were about to tell so us the, about. So for our gun owner population and range safety officers and anyone who would like to learn how they could save save a life or control bleeding. Uh, I, we have a course called TECC Leo and it's a one day, eight hour course that was created by the NAEMT national association EMTs. It came out last year and we teach this course, uh, to numerous customers, agencies, departments, and we have an open enrolled class every other month where anybody can take it. They don't have to be an LE. They don't have to be EMT. It's open to everybody. Hmm. And it's a popular course. We teach uh, the ins and outs of hemorrhage control, how to do tourniquets, uh, massive uh, wound packing with combat gauze or regular gauze, Hmm. how to bandage wounds, what's the difference between an arterial bleed and not an arterial bleed, Hmm. Um, how to to save lives, uh, put on the chest seals for gunshot wounds. Hmm. And we teach... uh, it's the morning time is skill stations and PowerPoint presentations. And then in the afternoon, we run a few trauma scenarios, patient simulations, and there's a written test. They get a four-year certificate, and it's uh, approved by – it's a national approved course and approved by California Post as well. And wh- where do they go? What's the website? Uh, strategic Operations under Medical Training. It's called TECC Leo, and it's also on the NAEMT website under Education – you can locate courses in San Diego as well. All right, cool. 
Okay, so we've got um, Jim Miller uh, on the line here, and Jim is a uh, one of our San Diego County gun owner board members. He's also a uh, school board member for Cajon Valley Union School District. So, Jim, welcome to the show. Hey, guys. Thanks for having me back on. So, hey, what I wanted to talk to you about, because, um, you know, being a gun show, we typically talk about gun stuff, but occasionally we talk about other things. And um, last last week I heard, I think I heard it on Carl DeMaio, where um, they were talking about a group of, I think it's 20 uh, kids or 20 students from Cajon Valley uh, were stuck in Afghanistan with all the stuff that was going on. So I thought I'd call and uh, ask you about that, see what you could tell us. Sure. So it, it starts off with the fact that Cajon Valley – uh, our district was the most impacted district under the Obama administration with uh, refugees from the Middle East. Uh, we already have a pre-existing Middle East population of, of Chaldeans, which are Iraqi Christians. And in the, uh, in, in the uh, decision of the federal government, they thought that placing additional Middle Easterners uh, into the East County would be a great idea. Of course, uh, most of the refugees are currently Muslim. So, not knowing the history of the Middle East, apparently the federal government decided to mix those two groups. Cajon Valley, we have established a family and community engagement office called FACE, and it has worked tremendously. It's gotten national attention. Where we go out, we work with our community liaisons. We have something like 67 different languages and sub-dialects of students and families within our borders. And we create liaisons from the community to then reach out to their community members that work with our teachers, our administrators, and just they do a tremendous job. We've had this program in place for now seven years. We found out that 24 of our students and approximately 16 parents had gone back to Afghanistan after school got out in June to visit family because they knew about the drawdown, and they certainly knew that it may be the last time they get to see their extended family in Afghanistan. We then got a call that they wanted to save from a couple of families, that they wanted to save spaces because they had tickets to come back, but they were stuck. They could not get out of Afghanistan because nobody expected uh, or at least foresaw the Afghanistan government falling apart as quickly as it did, the Taliban running all the way to, to Kabul. Um, so they couldn't get out. We then turned and pivoted and contacted Daryl Ice's office, and, and ISIS office has been tremendous coordinating with uh, different operations commands and, and different elements of the State Department to start to collect our kids. So I, I can tell you as, as, a, as a first announcement, uh, has not been made public yet, but I have authorization to say this, that we have our second family back in California, in Southern California, as of today. Wow, congratulations, really. So we have two families all the way back. We have four that have been uh, collected and are supposedly at least in processing within the gates at the airport. And we have one we are hoping to have uh, updates on. We still have one that's technically in-country and, and, and still, in a, still in hostile territory. Now, I want you to think about this and why it's so important for these particular family members. They're already here. And because the federal government gave the Taliban a list of every person that we wanted to bring out, the Taliban have the list of our kids and our families. These are families that helped our military, interpreters and others, special operations Afghani forces, and family members. So these kids and these families, they're on the target list. We've got to get them out of there. Um, but I cannot thank uh, 
our, our face office for coordinating and getting these kids' names to the right people. Because I want you to think about this, too. It's estimated that there's 40,000 Afghan refugees in San Diego County. That's possibly 2,000 students estimated to possibly still be in Afghanistan. But only Cajon Valley has established an office that interacts with the community so we know where our kids are, so we can go get them. It's a tragedy as to what's going on, but certainly in the back to Gun Sports Radio, it's men with guns going out in the middle of the night bringing these kids home. And I have nothing but thanks for those who are risking their lives to get these kids back home. So they were – what an amazing story. So the the families were um, – I guess the question is, were they led to believe or were they just under the impression that, that, that this was um, – that they'd be protected by, you know, American military when they went over there and, and then they were kind of left hanging well, once they got there? Is that an accurate way of putting it? I would put it this way. Uh when you were a kid, did you ever travel with your family back to see family in other parts of either the country or, or, or you know, maybe in a different country? Sure. That's exactly what these people did. Just like any other summer. They get out on June 17th. They had plans to be back by middle, middle to late July, right? The drawdown wasn't supposed to happen until August 31st. And once we closed the military air base at Bagram, right, all hell broke loose. Everything turned within about 10 days. Nobody announced, there was no announcement by the federal government to anybody in June, oh, by the way, our one remaining military air asset base will be shut down, what was it, the last week of July? And as such, no aerial surveillance or aerial or air support can be provided to Taliban troops without six-hour sorties from a different base. Nobody well, said that. And like you so were saying, they too. just went back to say, hey, we went back to see family. That's all they did. Yeah, no one was expecting that. And uh, apparently, we didn't even let our allies know that we were we going to do that. We left in the middle of the night. So, exactly. So, yeah, you couldn't expect civilians to know that or be aware of that. No, so they go back again, knowing that there's a drawdown by August 31st, knowing that if they can get back, they had tickets. It's not like they didn't have tickets, they had travel passports, they had their tickets, they had their visas, they had everything that they needed to do to travel back by the end of July, give or take. But the Taliban rushed in, took over everything. So I've had a, because, and Mike, you know me pretty well, I, I try not to argue with people when I don't have to, but I get a little upset when people are saying, well, why are these people so stupid to go to a war zone? Uh, well, they should just be left there. Really? Again, these are just kids traveling with their family to see their family back at home knowing it might be the last time, and supposedly the United States military was not leaving until the end of August. Well, I, it nobody, doesn't... Nobody you know, could have predicted this from their viewpoint. Yeah, right? of Maybe course some, not. Some high-level think tanks could have figured it out, but not the average kid going back with mom and dad to see the family. Well, so. and I don't... You know, a lot of people, hey, we, we should have left Afghanistan. We never should have been in Afghanistan. We should stay in Afghanistan. Well, I don't care where you are on in the argument, you know, whether we should be there still, should have left earlier, did left, whatever. I don't think there's a person out there that can defend the way they left over right. the last couple months That's or last problem. month or so. That's I mean, problem. what a complete and total soup sandwich. Oh, yeah. And and there's, you know, if you if you screw up government, you know, and and uh, you end up spending too much money or something like that. Okay, fine. But when you screw up government on this level and people die, people die, you know, there should be some severe accountability.
Severe. Yeah, these are our kids at this point. They're our kids. We yeah. got to get our kids back here. Thanks, Jim. Thank, Thank you, Jim. Jim. Keep up the good yeah, work. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, let us know how it goes. Will do, guys. All right, folks, this is Gun Owners Radio. Stick around after the break. We have more to talk about with Mr. Jamisi right here on Gun Owners Radio, FM Welcome back to Hour 2 of Gun Owners Radio with your hosts, Dave Stahl, Joe Germisi, and Michael Schwartz. Visit GunOwnersRadio.com with your questions and comments or to learn how to become a sponsor of the show. Time to get involved and get active. Together, we will win. Now here's Dave, Joe, and Michael on The Answer San Diego. All right, folks, this is Gun Owners Radio, FM 96.1, AM 1170. The Answer. All right. The CDC renews its efforts to cast gun violence as a public health crisis. We're talking about it next. Hey, Blackout Optics, accurate, affordable, guaranteed, sporting optics that go the distance. Backed by customer service that goes that extra mile. Great guys, great products, and great company that is making options or optics affordable. On top of quality optics, they pay close attention to the customer experience. And did you know their scopes? Come with mounts so you don't have to worry about finding one that fits. Great optics at an affordable price. Ask them at your local for them at your local gun store or find them on, online at blackhoundoptics.com. Hey, Joe, what do you got? So we got a uh, an article about the CDC taking aim at gun violence. So, um, again, this isn't uh, – a new, well, I guess this is a new thing, but uh, the idea is not a new thing where – you use a you know government agency basically to attack uh, gun rights in this country, and it used to be that you know the CDC uh, at least for me anyway I always to think okay that's the the last word in in you know medical stuff or Gospel. disease public health things like that, and um, I know my opinions changed drastically over the last eighteen months um, <laughs> regarding the CDC and what they know or don't know and and really how honest they are and how legitimate they are. But when you start talking about gun stuff, um, and you know, and I, I don't like to use the term gun violence; it's a dopey political term. But when you start th- uh, just looking at, um, let's say, people that are killed or injured by criminals or by other people that um, use firearms, <clears throat> when you start calling that a public health crisis, then that brings in other things, and that's that's the approach used here. And the CDC has done this before. And, in fact, um, Congress back in, I think it was 1996, passed the Dickey Amendment, I believe it was. And specifically because uh, the CDC was getting involved in uh, gun control stuff and promoting gun control. And they passed this amendment that, um, that essentially said that you can't use federal dollars or they can't use federal dollars to promote gun control. And uh, you'll hear the left a lot of times say, well, Congress stopped the uh, – you know, the CDC from studying gun violence and stuff. And that's not really true. Um, what they said was you can't use that to promote gun control. They said nothing about you studying gun violence. And um, they actually went through and they they clarified that in 2017. They said, no, you can still study this stuff. You just can't uh, promote gun control. 
the problem with the CDC is they get, I think, way outside their, their swim lane, I guess is a way to say it. Um, like you've seen a lot of this in the last 18 months, the moratorium on uh, eviction orders, say, because of COVID, they got involved in that. It took the Supreme Court to step in and say, no, nah, you really don't have that authority to do that. Um, the same they thing said, with, we don't care. Oh, oh, and that's right. That's what happens now. And, um, you know, even uh, the kids going back to school, uh, you know, do you wear masks? Do they not wear masks? Do they have to do this? Do they have to do that? Instead of basing, you know, those kinds of decisions on uh, on science, which they always say they do, you know, they were they were influenced by the teachers unions, basically. Mm-hmm. And they and they openly brought the teachers unions in to get guidance on how to do this. And that's that's not what the CDC is supposed to be doing. And in terms of um, looking at guns and that kind of stuff, um, there's a, a new director there, which uh, I didn't realize she was a Biden appointee, a Dr. Rochelle Walensky oh, yeah. um, has been on. And there's um, if you uh, if you take a look on Google or YouTube, you can find the uh, the CNN interview where, again, she talks about, you know, the epidemic of gun violence and everything that's going on and how the CDC has to step in. And, uh, you know, it's interesting because she she talks about um, involving uh, gun control activists um, in this this effort here to uh, to try to help out and make us safe, because that's the making us safe is is generally the approach that we take right on the left. That's why we're doing everything we're doing now. Right. To make us safer. That's why we've uh, lost a lot of our liberty and a lot of our rights in the last 18 months. It was but all you can't to make be safe safer. if you have liberties. Well, again, <laughs> you might hurt yourself. Yeah. Well, you know, it's it's interesting with um, this, like like the safety thing is is interesting because uh, again, anyone and and one of the points I looked at too with uh, if you watch the CNN interview, you know this this woman like a lot of them uh, on the left are, are completely clueless when it comes to firearms in the community and the things that go on, and just talking about safety, um, you know, any of us probably anybody that's involved with firearms knows that in general safety has been getting better and better and better for decades mm-hmm. um due mostly you know through the efforts of the nra and other uh, pro second amendment um organizations like that that promote safety and the whole gun owner community is that that's probably one thing that everybody's together on is safety and promoting that mm-hmm. and uh just you know looking at it um i looked at 2017 which the uh, the last year i saw for um statistics on it 486 fatal accidents involving firearms out of 340 million people. And that comes out to, uh, they say, about 0.3% of the 169,000 fatal accidents from everything in the country that year. Hmm. So, you know, it's hard to imagine us getting any safer with firearms. Hmm. I mean, if it's if it's down that low anyway. So, again, they just use this as an excuse, really. And... Um, you know, if you can say it's a public health crisis, that frees up a lot of, um, uh, it gives them a lot of uh, different tools, I guess, that they can use to go around Congress to uh, to enact things that they can't necessarily get through Congress, uh, even when they control Congress like this. And um, so I think it's a really dangerous uh, road to go down. And like we talk about on here a lot is... Um, you know, the real way to stop this kind of stuff is to stop it before it gets started, to elect the right people, to get the right people in office so you don't have these kinds of problems. Um, again, she was a Joe Biden appointee, which uh, I didn't realize until I started writing this. Um, so, you know, she's fairly new to it. And this is the kind of stuff you see. You get, again, the wrong people in office, and now you get these um, 
these issues like this. And like Michael's always talking about, you know, people need to get out. People need to get involved and, um, you know, stop this stuff before it gets this far. Well, the whole idea that they're for, for gun safety, you know, I'll buy that the day they actually teach some kind of gun. Where do I learn their gun safety? Do they have a class? Do they have a seminar or something? I've never seen them. You know, they say they're all about, you know, uh, gun safety, right? I mean, that's that's their big thing is they, oh, they want us to be safe. And, you know, they're not trying to take our guns. They just want us all to be safe. Okay, cool. Where's that class? Where's that curriculum? You know, Brady, the Brady organization, they don't teach any kind of gun safety or any anything like that. Yeah, none of those folks talk about gun safety. Yeah. If you look Moms for gun safety. One action, they don't teach that. Yeah, gun safety is all the pro-Second Amendment groups. The NRA is a big uh, safety organization. And uh, and so are all the other ones. You know, we do, look at all the stuff we do with San Diego County gun owners just related to safety, the shooting socials and all those things. You know, that that's where safety comes from. So again, it's kind of a fraudulent thing, and uh, and it gets back to the people we put in office, uh, you know, and that and that gets back to what you were just talking about with the recall. You know, people need to get out there, people need to get involved, and you need to get other people involved, and um, you need to stop this stuff before we lose. Uh, you know, once you lose this stuff, it's it's gone. It's not coming back. So you guys have a medical bra- background. What are your thoughts on the CDC? What what role should they be playing in the in the in the U.S. They should be using correct data and then providing guidance, but not setting anything in forth. Like, like yeah, mandating public yeah, policy. They, they're out of their swim lane. I, I agree completely on that. Sense. Well, see, and that's a great point, too, with the providing guidance, because that's something we've lost with our government, certainly in the last year, probably the last 10 years or so, is, you know, provide guidance. If you tell me, uh, you know, you think vaccines are a good idea, suggest that, okay, Everybody should get vaccinated. We think it's a good idea, but don't come out and mandate to me that I need to be vaccinated. Just using that as an example, that I'm not going to be able to go into a restaurant. I can't go into a store. I'm not going to be able to work because my employer is going to force me to do it. Charge you two hundred dollars. Well, yeah, and two hundred dollars. Yeah, Delta is going to charge you two hundred dollars a month to add to their insurance policy because you're not vaccinated. Crazy. Right here on Gun Owners Radio. Don't go anywhere, folks, because we got Charlie Cook and Amanda Softcool will be coming up next right here on Gun Owners Radio. AM 1170. The answer. All right, folks, welcome back to Gun Owners Radio, FM 961, AM 1170. The answer. NRA annual meeting canceled. Oh, man. Do I get my money back? Did you pay money? Oh, thousands. Because it's free. So if you paid somebody money. <laughs> Gotta see if you I get it back. You, I need I you. Get, maybe that's a good new scam I'm going to start running. I need you as my Dave agent. Anyway. I yeah. need you as my agent. <laughs> hey, PRMI Mortgage, primeres.com slash Alpine. If you're in the military, are you looking for help with a VA loan? Well, if you're looking to buy, refi, or if you're just considering a reverse mortgage, Call our local mortgage guy that you can trust. Call Chris Wiley at PRMI Mortgage. For nearly 25 years, Chris has been helping local San Diegans with all their mortgage needs. Give Chris Wiley a call at 619-722-1303 or primerez.com slash alpine. All right, so we have some very cool guests on the line to talk about the NRA annual meeting that got canceled. Uh, Charlie Cook and Amanda Suffercool. How are you guys? I am good. great. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. <Super tie. laughs> right on cue. 
so Charlie, talk about uh, about the, uh, the talk about what the the cool uh, grams that you do. So I do these things called gun grams, and I put my two worlds together of being a musician and being an instrumental music teacher. And I play the trumpet with one hand, and I shoot a gun with the other hand. And I do this at the same time, and I shoot into the rhythm of the songs that I'm playing. Lindell in the studio here is nodding his head. He can't wait to check it out. <laughs> I like Lindell. Yeah. What are you doing next week? I want you back in the studio. <laughs> He's uh, ready. And, and Amanda, talk about the show that you're a part of. Well, I have a syndicated pro 2a show called eye on the target radio where i talk guns and concealed carry in the current local current climate that is a second amendment awesome and uh you guys were all set to go to the nra annual meeting where was it this year supposed to be it was yeah houston it was supposed to be in Houston, and I've actually been to an NRA meeting in Houston a few years ago. They had it in Houston, and Houston's a, it's a nice little town, and they do a pretty good job. But generally, Charlie, describe, you've been to the NRA annual meeting before. Describe what, what the NRA annual meeting is all about. I have not been to an NRA annual meeting, oh. and, which is why I am even more let down. I have been to the Gun Rights Policy Conference for the last six years, and I will tell you, I, I assume it's more of the same, but on a bigger level. Amanda, have you been? Oh, yeah. All yeah, right. I've been. Lay I've it been. out. Tell everybody what it is. So, so there are a couple different major shows across the country that are Second Amendment. And so if, you've, if any of, anybody has been to SHOT Show, that is actually like the gun dealer's show. The NRA is actually for the end consumer. And so it is every gun manufacturer, every... Uh, accessory manufacturer, they're all there talking to the end consumer about the newest things and what's there and, and what's coming and all of that. So it is a, it's a great opportunity to just see, to, to be embedded in the gun community, if you will, to see what's new, see what's coming, see what the future holds. And um, so for, for some who have been to, like, SHOT Show, it kind of is – is a, more of that, but since we've not been to NRA for now two years and Shot Show for a year, uh, we don't have a clue as to what's coming up. Yeah, the NRA—it's big. It's a huge. It's like a gun show, but then there's right. also um, they have guest speakers. I saw uh, Glenn Beck a few years ago give a, mm -hmm. a fantastic talk. Uh, NRA leadership comes out and they talk. Um, who are some of the other? A bunch of people. Uh, I saw a, a Jeff Foxworthy show there. He was one of the. He opened up for uh, uh, Huckabee, Mike Huckabee. And I got to tell you, you know, you see Glenn Beck and you see Mike Huckabee, and you see some of these folks on TV and kind of listen to them interview or whatever, and they're you know whatever. You may like them, may not like them. It, in a in an environment where they're giving a a prepared talk in front of a crowd. Mm -hmm outstanding it's a whole different experience it was really outstanding i was i was seriously on the edge of my seat i thought it was really great plus they like well, what they do yeah yeah and the, the other thing to it is that there there has been this growing thing of of the nra women and what they're doing and so for nra houston there was an event that was most of the day on friday for the women's leadership group there's a new energy breakfast that was happening on Sunday. There's a fashion show that was happening on Saturday. There was so many different things that were spe specifically focused toward women and concealed carry and, um, and, and women promoting the Second Amendment. And all of that is just 
gone. Gone. And it, it was cool. Just walking around, you'd get to, I, you know, I saw, uh, I met uh, I met and spoke with Megan McCain years ago. She was there. Mm-hmm. And uh, I spoke with, of course, Chris Cox um, and Ted Nugent. I got to meet mm-hmm. Uncle Ted. Which was uh, honestly, it was one of the, one of the highlights of my life. Meeting Uncle Ted, I was a big fan when I was a kid, and uh, he, uh, I got to say hello to him. He saw us from California, and he said, "You're in the belly of the beast, brother." And I said, "Yep, that's exactly." And that's that was a highlight of my life right there. <laughs> Ted Nugent <laughs> was, awesome. was he on Red Dawn? He was not in Red Dawn. He, oh, I mean, that's your other highlight. Of basically, your his whole life is kind of Red Dawn. I mean, he kind of lives his life as if he's in Red Dawn, but. <laughs> But yeah, it, it, and it's a lot of fun. And of course, they do a little bit of business. They uh, the board meets and they do some business. So you guys were all set and ready to go. You guys were actually going to help do the the fashion show, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, Charlie mm-hmm. and I were both going to. We were going to MC the concealed carry fashion show that was happening on Saturday. And how did that? How did all that happen? Like, how did you guys get involved in the meeting? Because they, it's you know, it, it's been a little bumpy for the NRA. I, I feel like they kind of. It seemed to me like they were kind of trying to revamp things this year and, uh, you know, draw a crowd and get some interesting folks in. Uh, you know, you guys are definitely leaders. Um, you know, I think you guys were, were kind of an attempt to uh, make it a little bit more, um, you know, a little bit more fun, uh, a little bit more, uh, uh, you know, trying to get some new, new, new fresh faces in there, I guess. Um, you know, rather than, you know, obviously they can't get Oliver North to show up anymore. <laughs> He's not going to go. So, <laughs> right. so, uh, what, how did you guys get involved? Well, I, I actually, got, I actually roped Charlie in, um, and, um, I had gotten a call from Susan LaPierre. Well, I'd actually gotten a call from, um, uh, Barbara Rumpel, Barb. who was on the board. Right. And so Barbara Rumpel called me, and then then she connected me with Susan, and then Susan connected me with some of the folks who are in, you know, Virginia and the event planning group, and um, it just kind of went from there. That's awesome, Charlie. How hard was it to get roped into a fashion show? You, uh, it, easy. Yeah, let's, zero let's hard. The fashion show is where the women are, so yeah. I'm more than willing to go. <laughs> That's so nice. Noble of you, Charlie. Noble. I, I know. I'm, I'm taking one for the team, guys. <laughs> That's you, awesome. You, know, you, ha- you have to understand that Charlie's really brave because he allowed me to rope him in a couple years ago. And so Charlie and I have done this as co-MCs a couple times. And um, he was, we, were, we were both. But he was featured in a Vice documentary in, what was it, 2017, Charlie? Uh, yeah, 2017. Uh, no, 2018. That was when GRPC was in Chicago. Well, we did that. That was the HBO one, the Vice one. Oh, the Vice one. So yes, yeah, so which was in Cleveland. What happened? Yeah. So the the quick the quick version of uh, the history between Amanda and I is Amanda had a radio show in Cleveland, and she put something on Facebook saying she wanted to talk to instructors in every state. So I contacted her and said, "Hey, I'm an instructor in Massachusetts. She has me on the show." And I think the show goes well. I do did listen to the show, and she's like, hey, that guy was kind of fun. We should have him on again. And then she never called. Oh. Boy, we've all been there. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> <laughs> so then I, I start writing Shotgun with Charlie, yeah. and I was asked to speak at the Gun Rights Policy Conference in Tampa, and I was standing around talking to some people, and I see Amanda's name, and I'm like, I think she's got that radio show that I was on. So I said, hey, do you, don't you have a radio show in Cleveland? She's like, I do. And I'm like, I was on. She's like, oh, my gosh, it's great to see you. 
and honestly, it was it was like old home week. Um, we we went out to lunch after uh, we went out to lunch while we were there, and then you know we kept kept our friendship and 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 kept in touch. And she's like, "Hey, I'm doing a fashion show in Cleveland. Do you want to come be part of this?" And I'm like, uh, "Yeah, absolutely." Done, no problem. You yeah, know, I, I, and Charlie, honestly, everybody listening, Charlie is really a fascinating guy. His story is really interesting. He's a very interesting interview. We did a Magnum episode with Charlie. Uh, I don't remember when within back the in last the spring. Yeah, back in the spring. Yeah, it was about a year ago. And uh, so if you go to youtube.com slash gun owners radio and check out our Magnum episodes, uh, Charlie's got a fascinating story. Um, and, and it was really, really interesting interviewing you. And I was, I, I think you guys, I, I haven't seen you guys MC together, but I could totally see it because you both are, you know, full of personality and, and have a lot to say. And I could see you guys complimenting each other really well. And we're it's- completely irreverent to one another. So <laughs> it makes it so much fun. So what's, so they cancel, why did they cancel the show now? Well, they canceled the whole show because, frankly, they had moved it from April to September to begin with. So it is always in the spring. And um, so they shifted it back because there was a couple different things, and COVID was a big piece of it. Then a couple weeks ago, we started to hear rumblings. Um, and I'm not an official spokesman for the NRA by any means, so don't don't take this as anything on the official. They sent out a press release. But um, we started to hear rumblings that there were gun companies that are in states that are starting to lock down, and they have concerns. Do they send their employees? Do they lock them down for 14 days afterwards? What, is, what do they do? And do you want to, in a state that, that looks like they're ramping up the COVID, do you want to subject your employees to 80,000 patriots all in one place and, um, you know, and, and be accused of being involved in a super spreader event? So companies started pulling out or shifting or showing concern. And then, it, then, then it's just the legs fell out from under it. It's what I think. I guess that makes a little more sense, and seems like a little bit more sincere than than some of the whispers I've been hearing. Um, you know, if if you are in one of these states and and you got to try to make, what a pain this whole thing is. Mm-hmm. What a pain this whole thing is. I mean, it just seems like when is this going to end? I mean, and it doesn't have to be this way. But oh my gosh! All right, so what are you guys doing for the? Uh, a uh, concealed carry fashion show. Are you guys going to move it somewhere else? Are you going well, to wait? Or wait? Are you going to hang on to them? Oh yeah, yeah. We got a whole bunch more questions. All I'm right, still so going. don't don't go anywhere, guys. Oh. I'm I'm the uh, engineer of this train. It's <laughs> only on two wheels, but we will make the turn. This is Gun Owners Radio FM ninety six one AM eleven seventy. The answer. Folks, welcome back to Gun Owners Radio, FM 96.1, AM 1170. The answer. Well, you know, we're a, we're super proud to have the National Concealed Carry Association as a 10-ring partner. NCCA exists to serve the Second Amendment community by providing a nationwide network of 2A advocates. They offer elite self-defense and concealed carry training from the nation's top instructors, and they provide rock-bottom prices on the best selection of gear and accessories. You can learn a whole lot more from National Concealed Carry Association.com. 
All right, we're talking to Charlie Cook and Amanda Suffercool about the cancellation of the NRA uh, uh, meeting, the annual meeting, unfortunately. It was supposed to take place in Houston, but I guess Houston had a problem, and uh, that was that. So, All right, so what are you guys doing about the uh, CCW fashion show? Are you guys going to try to have it somewhere else? Are you just going to wait, or what do you think? Well, we are we are doing another one at the Tommy Gun Warehouse in Scranton, Pennsylvania, in October, and um, but the one at NRA has to, in order to be the one at NRA, has to take place at NRA. Sure. So um, chances are we're going to uh, we're going to toss our our cards back on the table for the April event that's taking place in Louisville, Kentucky. Nice. Okay. Well, why not have a gun prom? Uh, I, maybe next year we can do that. Wouldn't that be a thought? Yeah. So I, we can do that. I have a question, yeah. though. Um, Amanda, what yeah. does a concealed carry uh, fashion show actually look like? I don't know if I've seen one of those. Well, there, um, there's a Vice documentary that you can watch called Packing Heat and Heels. It'll show you the whole <laughs> thing, including all the backstory stuff. But um, it really is just we we get a group of volunteer models, so it's a it's a ball. It's it's faces and people that you know or you've seen or you know of, all hamming it up on the stage, showing you what you can't see. And so Charlie and I take turns doing definitions of lockable zipper concealed, you know, or it's it's this or tucked and lifted or whatever. The verbiage is that each of the uh, vendors recommends that is being said. And really, you're watching, it's part of the audience, you're watching the model come down and trying to figure out where they're concealing. And then they wow, do a cool. reveal. Yeah, that sounds great. Yeah, that is cool. All right. Hey, so, Charlie, what were you looking forward to most about? Uh, was there anything else you were going to do there other than the fashion show about the NRA uh, annual meeting? Oh, absolutely. I Every place I go, I get a riding shotgun interview with someone. So I was going to borrow a friend's car, and I was going to try to spend some time uh, knocking out a couple interviews in Houston. Night. Who, who, who did you have lined up, or can you, can you not say? Um, I didn't have any. I had, I had a couple people lined up, but they, they weren't 100% sure what their schedule was going to be like. The, the most important thing for me is to be able to borrow a car from somebody. Uh. So that usually involves, um, you know, food and <laughs> maybe a couple of drinks. When are you um, gonna come? When are you gonna come out to San Diego? I got a I got a two thousand Jeep Wrangler. We could hook that up with uh, with let's uh, let's, let's do it, man. Let's 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 do a fashion show at the Gun Prom next year. That'll be a perfect place to do it because everyone will be dressed up, and um, we'll we'll do a running shotgun. Then I I would love that. I'm <laughs> one one of my crazy goals is to do a show in every state, and I've um, I've got a lot more states west of the Mississippi that I need to get to, and California is definitely one of them. That'd be cool. We should seriously talk about that um, and see if we can uh, coordinate uh, uh, getting you uh, out here to the western states. I'd fun. love it. Yeah. So what do you guys think in general about um, you know, the state of Second Amendment activism? I, I think it, there's a lot of things to be uh, positive about. But it's still such a brutal environment. What, what do you, what do you, what do you, Charlie? Why don't you start first? It's, it's there is a lot of there is often a lot of infighting, and one of the one of the things that I've noticed is we have the NRA guys, and then we have the Second Amendment Foundation people, and then we have the GOA guys, and then we have the FPC, which is a little bit of everybody. 
And what I think we really need to do is to find a way to get everybody together. Um, the reason is when when you talk to someone who's not a gun person about gun stuff, all they assume is is the NRA. And part of me thinks we need to keep the NRA around because um, they do take a lot of heat for stuff. Like nobody nobody says, hey, you're a, you're a member of the Second Amendment Foundation. We've got to go after you and take all your guns. It's you're a member of the NRA. We have to do something about this. And and um, I do think that we need to support them. And I do think they need to figure out all the stuff that they need to figure out and where all the money's going to and all that. But I, I do think we need to find a way to keep them around because they do take a lot of flack and they do take a lot of heat off of these other groups that are that are doing I hate to say real work, but, you know, that are doing the real work. And the NRA does like to come in and, you know, write a check at the towards the end of uh, end of some legislative process and, and take a little bit of credit. Did you um, just hang up on me? No, I can no. still hear you. No, we can hear you. Yeah. Hey, so, Amanda, what are, you, what, are you, what are your thoughts on the, the current state of Second Amendment activism in the United States? Amanda. I actually I couldn't okay. agree more. Maybe they did hang <laughs> up on her. <laughs> Uh, anyway, well, I you know I actually tend to agree with what you're saying, Charlie, for sure. Um, and I think you're you're being very candid and 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 direct about uh, about everything without being insulting. Uh, I think a lot of people, uh, you're right. The NRA does do that. Um, you know, kind of comes in at the end and writes a check and then uh, you know claims victory like they've been there from the beginning. Um, but I don't think you're saying that in a you know in a critical way. You're just saying, hey, everybody's got their role to play. Their advantages and disadvantages. The way we we're we're, we're doing things. Um, you know, we definitely don't want to you know throw the baby out with the bathwater when it comes to the NRA. That's probably oh, pretty absolutely. It's probably a pretty good way of putting it, don't you think? Yeah. Listen, when when uh, when a super uh, when a football team wins the Super Bowl, everybody on the team gets a gets a a, a ring. Yeah. And it doesn't matter if you're the quarterback or you're just some blocker. I hate to say some blocker, but uh, do you know what I mean? Like yeah. the right. the guys that play the line, they don't have a glorious job, and it's not uh, it's not glamorous. But you know, the quarterback, the running back, the receivers, all that, all those kinds of guys, um, they they get all the glory. Um, everybody everybody gets a everybody gets a Super Bowl ring when I when, I, um, I, I think people would be surprised. I think activists would be surprised. At how how much communication there is. What the hell just happened again? Hey, Amanda, are you back? <laughs> well, how much communication there is between organizations uh, at at the higher levels? I mean, all this, you know, you know, all this uh, team. Uh, you know, I'm on team this, and he's on team that, and we're going to sit there and argue. You know, it, that all doesn't. You, I think you, those guys would be surprised, and it's it's a big waste of time that everybody should just pick a pick a spot on the field and play it and play it as hard as they can, but. Um, yeah, absolutely. I mean, the SAF does a ton of stuff in, in legal stuff, yeah. and um, they don't. You know, you were talking about, uh, you know, what do the the anti gun wackos do for education? Well, the, the the SAF doesn't. I don't want to say they don't deal with education, but they don't deal with. Uh, they don't. They don't. I know they had a, a training division for a while, but it wasn't the main focus of what they were. They were, hey, you know what? We fight legal fights. Um, you know, we're we're in courts and we're filing legislation and we're. Uh, filing Amex briefs and and they're doing all of the legal work and and fighting fighting those battles so that the rest of us can can deal with all the rest of the you know the, re- the rest of the battles we have. Yeah, and I think I think that's great too, Charlie, because the uh, you know everybody has their role to play, and um, I, I agree completely with what you're saying you know about the NRA as well because you know whatever problems they're having lately, 
Um, you know, you have to remember, and gun owners need to keep this in mind, that we, we have guns today and we own guns today in large part because of the efforts of the NRA over the years, you know. So, you know, some of these people that, that um, you know, have a big issue with the NRA and they're ready to abandon them or something, I think that's the wrong way to go. And, and uh, you know, I agree with you completely. Everybody's got their role to play. They'll, they'll fix what they need to fix. Gun, they're saying the NRA needs to go away. Oh, people do that. Yeah, right. it's, it's By the way, we got Amanda back. Good. All right. So we Amanda, should stop talking about her. Amanda, we were just talking about the current state of Second Amendment activism in the United States. What's your opinion? How are we doing? Well, I there's a couple different things. One is is this whole this whole NRA thing. Um, the interesting part is that it is it's you've got to look at the NRA and the troubles they're having is almost like they're having a divorce from their, their marketing team and um, their PR firm, and who is better to make you look bad than somebody who knows all the inside. Mm-hmm. So, so there is that piece of it in amongst all the other stuff. Not saying they don't have their troubles, but I'm saying that you can, you know, that there are, there are different factions that are fighting over who gets custody of all the friends, who gets custody of the kids. And as you listen to the stories, Think that through and then say, who's, who's, who's going to benefit from this when they roll whatever the story out, is out? The NRA is the group that all the legislators talk about, they're concerned about. They um, understand that though the NRA may have 5 million, 6 million members, they really have double or triple that because there's a, a, somebody in the family who belongs. Everybody else in the family votes in that same manner. They talk to all their friends. So it is the biggest elephant in the room, and the next largest organization is only just shy of a million members. So, so it, it can't, if we're going to survive the Second Amendment fight, it can't go away. I agree. I totally agree. And, and, and on, uh, with, with, a, with a but, um, but I agree. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, and and on, on top of that, the, you know, some government, or I should say some enemies used government, Mm-hmm. Uh, because they saw, you know, they smelled blood in the water. They saw there was weakness, and so they went after. They used government to go after NRA and did even more damage. Uh, I agree with everything you said. My butt is Wayne should have left years ago, two, three years ago when all this started, and I think it was extre- it's extremely selfish that he's still there um, and that it's, it has nothing to do with the Second Amendment that he's still there. And my, I was standing b- by him, but when I started seeing people like Chris Cox leave, Mm-hmm. Um, it, I, okay, you know what? Your, 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 your ship is sinking. You know, do the right thing. Get out of there. You've been making a million bucks a year for at least a decade. You know, go right off into the sunset. Uh, you know, but NRA as a concept and as an organization is extremely important. The role they play is extremely important. And we should do everything we can to, to salvage them and make sure they stay there. Um, I, I totally agree. Yeah, it, it's bigger than it's bigger than the NRA is bigger than any one person. But so so. It, but your question wasn't really about the NRA. It wasn't. It was about the Second Amendment fight across the board. Yes. And even though it looks right now like we're, it looks like we're, you know, the ATF and David Chipman and and you know the bump stock thing and the arm brace thing and the eighty percent guns, it looks like all of those fights that we're you know fighting tooth and nail, and we are. But look at the stuff that's happening on a state level. What's happening is that so many of the states are now passing constitutional carry. 
they're passing Second Amendment sanctuary. They are invoking states' rights and telling the federal government to get their nose out of it. And so though it feels like we're losing on a national level, the states are digging in. And I think that we're actually moving, moving forward in a, in a way that when you really, really start to move all the playing pieces and look at it again, we've gained ground. Well, the states are doing it quietly, mm-hmm. and the media hasn't picked up on it yet. Correct. And I think as long as we stay under the radar, I think all of a sudden they're going to look up and say, hey, where'd these guys come from? And look what they just did. Right. I know. Exactly. Great having you on. Sorry you dropped offline. Get that guy next to you to pay the bill. Come on. <laughs> get you a get better phone. All right. Hope to see you guys out in San Diego sometime. Mike, last Sounds great. Words. No, thanks. thanks Thanks so much. Charlie Cook and Amanda Suffolk, cool. you guys are awesome. Absolutely. Talk to you soon. Gun Owners Radio, FM 96.1, AM 1170. The answer. Sam's coming. Don't go anywhere. FM 961 AM 1170 The answer We change page David We live in a state I know we do We do live in a state Where your self-defense rights are under attack Let us be your voice to help defend and restore the second amendment Help spread the word about the fight There's two easy things you can do One Like and subscribe to the show on YouTube, Facebook, Spotify Instagram The podcast or whatever way you like to listen to the show Number two, leave a five-star review on your Apple Podcasts and Spotify. It helps boost the show and puts it in front of a whole lot more people. We appreciate that. All right. All right. So everybody's favorite segment. Sam the Gunman on Stump, my nephew. What's up, man? How you doing, Sam? Pretty good. How are you guys? Fantastic. Every week, somebody sends in an email and asks a question, a gun trivia question. And we take that question, and uh, if we read it on the air, you get a hat or a T-shirt. If you stump my nephew, um, you get a uh, front sight membership, which is basically pistol, rifle, shotgun, carbine training uh, for life for no additional cost, except I think they charge, what do they charge, like a $50 a year? If you, if you take it, you get, get like a background. Check. Anyway, full disclosure, there's a small, tiny fee. Uh, but it's a lifetime of... Uh, of instruction. So, without further ado, Sam, this one comes from John Petrolino in New Jersey. Do you know who John is? Um, no, I have to confess I don't. He's a, he's a writer. He does a bunch of Second Amendment stuff. In fact, I just sent you a an article uh, about Marietta's police chief, and that was written by John Petrolino. So he's he sent us a message uh, that he wanted to uh, stump my nephew. So. Uh, all the way back on the East Coast, he wants the people. People you don't even pe- famous people in the Second Amendment industry you've never even met want to stump you. How does that feel? Well, you know um, the show goes terrifying. around the world. You do know the show goes around the world. <laughs> I do. I do. All right, terrifying. Well, okay. Here's his answer, or I'm sorry. Here's his question. What is this? Is this right? The way he rich? Just okay. What is the Colt Junior? In twenty-two long rifle or twenty-two ACP, what is the Colt? Twenty-five ACP. Or, excuse me, twenty-two long rifle or twenty-five ACP. What is the Colt Junior? Uh, that's. It's, I I honestly have no idea. Um, 
I. Yeah, you know what? Um, I'm not even going to try. There, I um, I'm familiar with the Colt Ace, but I think that's a completely different thing. What's the Colt Ace? Um, that was a 22 conversion kit for 1911s, but I'm guessing the Colt Junior is something completely different. It's completely different. All right, you ready? Let's have it. The Colt Junior was inspired by the 1908 Vest Pocket Hammerless Pistol designed by John Moses Browning. After World War II, Colt allegedly designed a new vest gun, but it was too expensive to make. They outsourced to the Spanish company Astra Unceta y Castra, and they had a model, the Astra Cub, which they essentially rebranded as the Colt Junior. They manufactured the Colt Junior in Spain from 1958 to 1968, Stopping importation due to the 1968 GCA. Uh, in 1970, Colt utilized a loophole by having parts imported from another company, the Firearms Import and Export in Florida. They continued to assemble the firearms until 1972. Uh, the prefixes on the serial numbers denote those pre-68 fully assembled imported models versus the 1970-1972 imported as parts and then assembled in the U.S. Whew. How did you not know that? I don't know. I, I'm, I've, I've heard of the Astra Cub, but I had no idea Colt sold them. Yeah, well, the Colt Jr., that's what it is. The Colt Jr. Interesting, huh? A vest, well, pocketless, hammerless. Even when you're not right, pistol. you learn something. Yeah, yeah that, that was a really tough question. Yeah. Um, thanks for sending that in. Thanks for uh, airing the question, you guys. And uh, as, as you said, Dave, it's either I get the question right and... Uh, wow, everyone, or I learned something, and I've been learning something pretty frequently lately. <laughs> They're getting harder. Okay, so wh- I don't even know what a vest pocket hammerless pistol is. What's a vest pocket? Oh, vest pocket. Yes. It fits in a vest pocket. Yeah, yeah, there you go. Right. Those little pockets what, on your vest. That's what people, um, back when people had more class and um, didn't vests. have to come up with new names for things. That's what they called micro-compact concealed carry pistols. Exactly. Wow, all right. So, you know, your, um, your P365 or your Springfield Hellcat or, or whatever, um, that's sort of in that same class of something basically pocketable that someone would carry around in a vest pocket because people wore... Uh, vests. Well, I, I don't know. Han Solo had a vest. That guy open carry. No, he didn't have that kind of vest. <laughs> Drop leg open carry. He was wearing a vest. I love that gun. I don't know if that his vest had any pockets. Maybe that was a problem. I love a vest with pockets. Got to have some pockets. They all have pockets for your watch. Yeah. For your change and for <laughs> your little gun. All right, Sam. Awesome job. Thank you. Sorry you didn't get it this week. There's always next week, but good job. Well, thanks very much for having me on. As always. Yep. Take care, buddy. Have a good week. So this past week was super, super busy. Wednesday, we had the Orange County Gun Owners Meeting up in, uh, in, uh, at Artemis. And Artemis is an awesome training facility. If you live anywhere near Lake Forest, which is basically right next to Irvine, Artemis has this uh, beautiful facility. Um, it's all virtual training. So they ha- it's like 300 degrees of these giant TV screens. And you go in there and they run you through scenarios. It's very, very cool. Um, but we had our monthly meeting there. Gene James from San Clemente, who we've had on the show here, he came and spoke about his Second Amendment uh, um, sanctuary city resolution that he got passed in San Clemente. And we had a room full of people. It was standing room only by the end, uh, 45, 50 people, took a tour, uh, you know, got involved, talked about how, you know, committed to helping with the recall, committed to helping with the shooting socials up there. 
Uh, it was also the first meeting with uh, with our new executive director up there, Steve Mills. Um, he's our new executive director in Orange County, and he did a fantastic job running the meeting. Um, and then the next night was uh, was uh, Riverside. Uh, I'm sorry, San Bernardino. San Bernardino, and uh, again, we did a first aid class, a stop the bleed class. Um, so if you came to the meeting, you got to. We talked all about uh, the different things that are going on in San Bernardino. Uh, and then uh, we had some pizza and then uh, did a Stop the Bleed class, which was very, very informative and awesome. And the guy that did it also sold these uh, blowout kits that he has. It's really, really great. And then Friday was Riverside's monthly meeting. Um, and uh, proud to announce that in a, in a 24-hour period, Riverside County, um, they also announced their new executive director, uh, Carla. If you're out there listening, thank you so much. You did an awesome job. Uh, Carla Talley. Carla, uh, very, very proud. Do we have a drum roll? No. Okay. <laughs> Carla announced that they set a new record by signing up 11 new members in one day. In Riverside. What's that? There's no mic drop? No, no. We're, I'm we're leaving. No, we're, okay. <laughs> I'm my phone. I mean, we're not. You drug me all the way to the end. And there's and no, then mic, no drop. mic drop. Not well, you know. I don't want to spoil you with mic drop. But the th- but she actually sent me. So you remember? I don't know if you remember. A couple weeks ago, Carla tried a pickleback on the air for the first time when we were talking about picklebacks. Did she? Was it on air? She tried it. Well, we were on the air. She was. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but she sent me a video. So in celebration, she, did she sent throw me, up. She did not. She enjoyed it. What did you Thank bring? You very much. She sent me a bottle of Screwball. Yeah. Which is peanut butter flavored whiskey. Joe already looks skeptical. Yeah. <laughs> it's good. It's good. I promise. It is not. I forget. It it's, is. Don't hate. It's called Screwball because uh, some pitcher. Some I've, wh- who's the pitcher that that started this? Come on, who's the pitcher? Dizzy I've, Dean. No, no, some pitcher. Who's anyway, the pitcher? Screwball, uh, uh, peanut butter flavored whiskey, and she sent me a bottle of uh, creme de banana. So she wants me to do a little banana peanut butter. With not pic- on air. With the pickle juice? You can't, where's the pickle juice? Do you do that with pickle juice? Oh, that's a good question. Where not, is the pickle juice? You don't, I don't think you mix banana with me. I would totally do peanut butter and pickle because I, I no, love you would not. peanut butter pickle sandwiches are awesome. You, you not, do not joking. Eat peanut butter pickle Peanut butter and pickle sandwiches are awesome. I'm telling you. Sour pickle or sweet pickle? The, like, you know, like a dill pickle. I don't not the, like the bread and butter pickles. Okay, you know my wife just threw up on the floor. I'm what? Why right would now. she do that? She hates pickles. Well, if you, if you hate pickles, if you hate anything, I whatever like you pickles. mix it with. I like I like better, but I can't. No, no. If you, I'm telling you, if you, I know, I know. One of these days we'll get together. Yeah, and we'll eat peanut butter because I can't say no. That's an awesome date until I try it. By yeah. the way, it's David Wells. David, David Wells, that's the guy. Wells. David Wells, who, if you know, if you know anything about David Wells, if you followed his career at all, if you've seen a picture of him, no surprise that guy has a whiskey company. <laughs> he looks like a guy who <laughs> had, has, a whiskey, has a whiskey company. But uh, so yeah, Screwball whiskey. Um, they're not a sponsor or anything. But Carla was so. Have you ever excited. tasted of that? Either oh yeah, one of those? absolutely. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. So that's why you're not with the banana. Is that why they're way over there in yeah. your little cubby hole? Yeah, you know. Well, look at this one. You know, he's but, already frothing at the mouth. But Carla was so excited about their accomplishment. If you live anywhere near Riverside, if you live in Riverside, if you need to want to get involved, 
Uh, go work with Carla. She's running that organization. Uh, she took the bull by the horns and is killing it in Riverside already. That's awesome. Her first meeting, and she set a record. That's and amazing. We're all very, very proud of her. I don't fully understand why, after she did all the hard work, she sends me a gift, but I'll take it. Well, the I'm, screwball actually is from Ocean Beach, so that's kind of cool. It is, yeah, Ocean Beach. It's it's a local San Diego brew, yeah. or I guess they don't brew it. What is that a picture it. is on the front? What would uh, you say? That is a. It looks like a sheep. Okay, let's just move right along. Yeah, hey, Bob that. Siegel's coming up next, everybody. Don't touch that dial, because that is important that you know that. And we really want to thank, first off, hey, subscribe to our podcast. Just search Gun Owners Radio. You'll find us. <clears throat> Leave us a five-star review to help the word get out. And please support our local sponsors, San Diego County Gun Owners, U.S. Law Shield, the Dillon Law Group, PRMI Mortgage, Blackhound Optics, 365 Glacier Famous, Scott Vision, Cold Wall Banking Royalty Realty and National Concealed Carry Association. Can't thank Joe Jamisi, Michael Schwartz, Sam the Gunman, and the brother behind the brother, Brendan Thomas. And Studio Diners opening up in November. Mark that on your calendar. Oh, let's go. Stu Siegel, right around the corner. That's where we met Studio Diner. Remember that? I know. Stu Siegel's not around the corner. Bob Siegel's around the corner. Yeah. They're related. <laughs> Two of my favorite folks. This program is sponsored by Dave Stahl.